Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. We transcend fear by knowing the Lord is near. With that being said, I have the wonderful opportunity to introduce Brianna, a very good friend of ours. Brianna? Brianna actually is a very, just amazingly skilled, beautiful woman. She is the director of Wellness at Imagine Foundation and Miracles Outreach, a nonprofit organization that rescues trafficked and exploited children. She is also a traditional naturopath, movement therapist, and writer, and her book, Emerging from Darkness, will be out this spring. It is my honor to welcome and have you all welcome Brianna Ladipo. Good evening, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I have to take a moment and just say thank you. Amy, Park, Mike, you guys are incredible. You're so inspiring. The way that you are fighting this fight for our kids, the generations of kids that will, will come after us is beautiful, and you warm my heart. So another round of applause for the amazing Amy Bond. We flew in yesterday, and this is the first time we've been back in LA since we moved about a year ago. And uh, Amy and Mike were kind enough to pick us up uh, by the way, Pastor, thank you for hosting us. You're a brave man. As uh, y'all know, we're not welcome in most of LA anymore. <laughs> so, thank you for having us tonight. As we were in the car uh, driving up here, it dawned on me that landing in LA feels very different now than it did a year ago. When we got to LAX, forgive me, it felt like we were coming into enemy territory. Um, when we left a year ago for Florida and landed in Tampa, Joe and I were overwhelmed by the amazing feeling of light when we got there. Uh, it was about midnight. We had been traveling all day with our three boys, which all the parents in here know is, is not a super fun time. But they had made it. They had finally conked out in the back, and Joe and I had a moment to just enjoy what we had taken on and appreciate that we had just changed our lives in a major way and we had no idea what was ahead but we knew unequivocally it was the right thing to do so we left the airport in tampa and we started driving over the big beautiful causeway uh, toward pinellas county and i felt this amazing light fill my heart and this anxiety that i didn't realize i had been carrying drift away and like so many of you, we worked really hard during the lockdowns and the pandemic to keep our children as safe and protected as we could. We kept fear out of the narrative. We did not let them participate in distance education. We made sure they were socializing with their peers and with friends and having as wonderful and normal a childhood as we possibly could. And we thought we were doing a pretty great job managing the stress. And it wasn't until we left that I realized how much of it had made it into my soul anyway. And it's really been a blessing to have this experience of living among free people who value sovereignty and truth. So I wasn't sure how I'd feel about coming back. And when we landed, 
I was a little uneasy. I thought, oof, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. But then we saw Amy and Mike, and we got to talking, and they're such dear friends. We miss them. We miss all of you. We have a lot of friends in the audience tonight. We love and miss you all. That is why I got on the plane, despite my reservations. And as we started chatting, we're going down the road, and we're getting closer and closer to Ventura County and this area. And I noticed that that darkness that I felt around LAX, and um, we used to live in Brentwood, right off the 405, which I did not miss. <laughs> and the energy that is in that area around downtown, it's dark. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is evil. It's oppressive and it's dangerous. But somehow, as we got closer to this county, and I, I think it may have something to do with this, this beautiful parish that we're standing in right now, you can feel that darkness begin to lift away and the light comes back in. And this is the first time I've ever had the pleasure to be here among you, but uh, now I see why. You are all holding the light here for this county, for the state, for this country, and I thank you so much for that. Uh, if you're here tonight, you are a way shower. You're a light worker. And so tonight, we're all talking about transcending fear, but I'd like to talk about how we help others transcend fear. Because a lot of you, you've transcended your fear already, at least in large part. You are here, you are standing up for the truth no matter what it costs you. And I know it comes at great personal cost. I'll get into that later, but uh, Joe and I have had a very front row seat to that experience. <coughs> Excuse me. So, something I know a lot of us have struggled with, myself included, is how do we handle it? when our loved ones, family, friends, sometimes children, don't see things the way that we do, despite all the evidence, um, all the love which with, with which we try to communicate our beliefs to them, and sadly, the, the mounting deaths and destruction that are all around us now. Some people have simply not awakened. And when it's someone that's close to you, that's dear to your heart, that's painful. Who's had that experience? I think every hand in the room just went up. So how do we help other people transcend fear? So I'll go back for a moment to a conversation that Joe and I had with Amy and Mike on the drive here that I found so inspiring because I actually wasn't quite sure what I wanted to talk about tonight until we had this conversation. I did not know until yesterday that they originally grew up in the Mormon church and then chose to leave nine years ago. That takes a spectacular amount of bravery, folks. Like the courage it takes to walk away from the love of a family, the safety of an institution whose beliefs you have grown up with, that takes an incredible amount of strength. Joe and I have had similar experiences. And for those of you who've read my amazing husband's book uh, and or uh, know us personally, you know that we both grew up uh, in similar circumstances and had to walk away from similar situations. So what does it take? What makes some people able to stand up for what is right, no matter the cost? What gives someone the strength to be in integrity and stand in your truth when the world is falling apart around you? And what do you do when the people in your life are not standing there with you? 
especially when you want more than anything to bring them along, right? We are entering a beautiful period of ascension. This is the battle for the soul of humanity, and we are so blessed to be on the front lines. So what do we do for the people in our lives who have not opened their eyes yet? And the only thing in my experience that there is to do is to lead by example. We, as I mentioned earlier, if you're in this room, it's because your eyes are already open. You are already a leader. You are already sharing your truth. When the pandemic broke out and uh, we were still in Los Angeles, I remember the very last day before lockdowns, we were, we were in Santa Monica. We were at a restaurant called Margo's. It used to be a favorite of ours, right on a little strip that it really used to embody LA. It was always full of life and joy, culture, amazing food. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting there with our three boys, and the fear had started to set in. It had been a few weeks since COVID had been dominating the news cycle. There was a lot of chatter about what might be coming. And we weren't particularly concerned because, frankly, it was silly. But. <laughs> We noticed that uh, this street that is usually packed and bustling with life had no one on it. We were the only people out there eating that day. And our kids were asking us what was going on, what was wrong. And um, we were downplaying it because we, we truly at the time did not believe that this was going to take the direction that it did. And um, we said, well, you know what, don't worry, babies. No matter what happens, we are going to enjoy our lives. We're going to be together. You're safe. And the very next day, they locked down Los Angeles. So as the weeks went by, and they said two weeks, school will be shut down for two weeks. And even that, boy, that strikes fear into the heart of any parent. Joe and I were like, ah! <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> of course, that turned into two years. But we were trying to figure out how to juggle all of these things. Joe was in the hospital taking care of COVID patients and uh, practicing medicine and being a professor of medicine. I was working as well. We have uh, three little boys, um, now three, six, and nine. So at the time, even younger and more of a handful. And we were trying to figure out what to do. And for us, it was not an option to sit them in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day, not having any human contact. And so we started, uh, oh, excuse me, I missed a step. I also intended to say that we started not having any time together. We were juggling so many things, all of a sudden, we weren't even having time to talk to each other. We were like ships in the night. So as we started to work out a homeschool curriculum and figure out how to juggle everything and keep things as joyful and magical and grounded and sane for our boys as possible, we started having daytime dates. And nothing was open. You know, by this time, the restaurants had closed, and you couldn't go anywhere. So we would go get takeout somewhere, uh, maybe on a, an afternoon. Usually it was a Tuesday afternoon. And we'd go sit on the beach and talk. And out of these conversations came several articles in the Wall Street Journal. You may have read, uh, may have read a few. And we started to speak our truth about what we were observing, what we were feeling, how the science did not match the response that people were having. It did not match the news cycles that were coming out. It, it certainly did not warrant shutting down churches, hospitals, schools. And so we started getting death threats, <laughs> lots and lots of hate mail. And very quickly, 
we became ostracized in our community. We lost friends we had had for 20 years. We both have family members who no longer speak to us. And they really, truly thought that we had lost our minds. Who's had that experience? <laughs> yes. And it's, it's very interesting how people can, can justify that, right? Like someone you've had in your life, sometimes your whole life, but decades and decades, and you think that you have a relationship and that this person sees you clearly, and all of a sudden, a larger narrative comes along and they forget who you are. And it can be disconcerting, particularly if you are not grounded, if you do not have faith. This is a difficult situation to find yourself in. I've seen a lot of people spin out as a result of that, lose their faith. I didn't bring my water. Sorry, thank you. Forgive me. In any case, we continued speaking out. And um, many of you have read Joe's book. You know the work that he went through and what he had to do to be able to speak the truth in an environment like this. But nevertheless, people that we had counted as our, our dearest loved ones, people that we had written into our will to take care of our children if something had happened to us, completely abandoned us. And um, that was a really amazing experience. <laughs> Uh, for a lot of reasons. But when that happens to you, you really have to examine what you believe, right? You have to take a hard look at your faith, your morality, your integrity, and decide how you're going to handle this. Is it worth it? Do you give in? Do you, do you get the shot because your employer insists that you'll lose your job if you don't? Do you put a mask on because a hospital will not allow you to come see your dying relative if you don't? Or do you hold the line? We teach our children to do the right thing no matter what, right? We teach them to lead by example. But what does that really look like when the world that you're living in is on its head? When every narrative that you're receiving is actually backward. It is upside down. It is Orwellian. I believe that if the law becomes tyrannical and destructive, it is our obligation to break it. <laughs> Morality and legality are not the same thing. And I have heard far too much the past three years of people saying, I was just doing my job. I was just doing what I was told. Well, I don't accept that. That is not good enough. It is imperative that we stand up for the truth and the light no matter what. Because guess what? If we don't, we don't have a world to fight over anymore. We don't have safe children. We have nothing. So now is the time. And I, Amy was teasing me about this last night. I got into a little trouble when I was living in LA. Um, I tend to have a bit of a big mouth. So <laughs> I had a ritual during the pandemic 
where since uh, I was homeschooling my darling children while working, I would lose my mind about once a week and go out to the beach by myself for a couple of hours to take a walk and clear my head. And for a while, that was fine. I used to go out to Marina del Rey, beautiful beach. And then they shut down the beaches. And they had little patrolmen coming up and down, yelling at people. Um, I saw one morning I was out there and I was waiting for this guy to leave so I could sneak out there. Because this morning, I was a little tired. I just wanted to meditate. I didn't want to fight. That didn't work out. But I was watching this man, and it was, a, it was one of the, um, the patrol cops on the little beach cruisers. And he drove up to a homeless man sleeping on the beach. Now, this man is minding his own business. And I didn't get an opportunity to speak with him, so I don't know what his story was. But with you live in Los Angeles, you've seen the amount of displaced people here, that with all the resources we have available, nobody is taken care of. It is despicable. So this man rides up to this homeless gentleman on the beach and screams at him to get his filthy carcass off of his beach. There is no part of this statement that does not offend me. So I told him so. That was the first time I almost got arrested. <laughs> but the level of entitlement of this police officer really struck me. And it's entirely possible that that level of entitlement has always existed in law enforcement. I truly don't know. I admit to you that I was not paying close attention before. But when I saw that, I thought, my lord. This man thinks it is okay to treat another human being that way. Unbelievable. And that would be unacceptable on any day. But in the middle of a crisis, like we were seeing, a humanitarian crisis, where people were being locked away from loved ones, kept from their families, um, kids were being kept from their friends and peers at school, to go out of your way to harass a person who was clearly already having a difficult time, to me that is reprehensible. And so, no, oh, I'm getting fired up. <laughs> anyway, there were a few more incidents like that, and I got a bit of a reputation with LAPD. So, <laughs> probably good that we moved to Florida. <laughs> Just one last point on that one. I was in Santa Monica one day, and there's, there's a part of the city where they have these beautiful bronze statues, gorgeous sculptures. And someone had put masks over the faces of every one of the, can you believe that? I was, first I laughed because I thought, am I being punked? Maybe there's a camera somewhere. Nobody could actually think that this is okay to do. So I promptly ripped those off and threw them in the trash can because that is ridiculous. <laughs> but my point is, we have to lead by example. We have to be willing to stand up, whether it is in our society at large, our smaller community, our family, our friends, and do the right thing. We have to demonstrate a level of love and light and joy and inspiration that makes those with their eyes closed wonder, why are they okay? Why are they so happy and why do they feel safe in the world when I'm miserable? Because to a lot of people, the world is falling. They really believe that this is the worst things have ever been. I think this is the best things have ever been. 
There are so many dark, ugly truths that have been part of the underbelly of our society for longer than any of us have been alive. And those things must come to light so that we can fix them. This is a miracle. So for me, the most difficult part of my journey with COVID was coming to the realization that you cannot drag anybody with you into the light. I tried. It can't be done. <laughs> you can beg and plead and even force and get aggressive, but it doesn't work. And that is because every single soul walking this earth is on their own journey. They are on their own divine time, and they will arrive at the truth when they can handle it. And I really had to learn that screaming is not the way. Because <laughs> it was very hard for me at first, because sometimes you want to shake people, especially I have dear friends I've loved for years who vaccinated their toddlers. This breaks my heart. But at the same time, I can't change that. And making, deriding them and making them feel worse about their decision when as parents, I mean, we have to respect that we are, we're all doing the best we can. We are all doing what we believe to be right. Now, I wildly disagree with that course of action, but my telling a person that is not necessarily enough to change their mind. I've realized that the only way to inspire people to open their eyes is to live a life of love, of light, of joy, of inspiration, of community, and reaching out to people. You have to, forgive me, this is cliche, but you really do have to be the change you want to see in your world, even if it's just your little corner of the world. Every single person in here has a family, a network, friends, loved ones, and everything you do, every decision you make is inspiring them, whether you know it or not. They are watching what you do, sometimes grudgingly. There are people in my family who think I have lost my marbles, and I'm okay with that, but they're still watching because what they can't figure out is, why is she so happy? Why is their marriage so great? Why are their children full of joy? And at some point, and this one with you already, which warms my heart, at some point, they begin to open their eyes and ask the questions. They'll open the door just a little bit to let the light in. So, I know it's a struggle. I'm, I'm right there with you. But hold on to your faith because your joy and your love and your light are what's going to inspire the people in your lives to transcend their fear. Now, I don't know anyone who better embodies leading by example than my incredible husband, Dr. Joseph Latipo. This man, as I'm sure you're all well aware, takes a remarkable amount of flack every day <laughs> for being who he is, for standing up for what is clearly the right thing. Um, we don't have a choice in this fight. I'm sure, I'm sure many of you feel the same way. 
There is not an option here. We do the right thing. We stand up for what is moral and, and true and just, no matter what it costs us. And this man has moved mountains in one year. One year ago, this month, we moved to Florida. And in the last year, he has been the first voice in the world to say, do not take these vaccines. And this is why we have science. We have data. I've been so blessed to have a front row seat to the courage it has taken for him to withstand the unbelievable amount of pressure he faces every day, the amount of projection that comes his way every single day. And it's difficult because he is one of the few bright lights in a world of darkness. American politics has been a very dark place for a very long time. And the old paradigm is dying, but most of them have not yet realized that. So they, they make it a daily practice to try to suck him in. But this man is a hero, and he's my hero. Light in the darkness, I won't hope for the hopeless And rest for the weary mind And you've got truth for the taking But my heart won't be shaken If today be the day that I die Whoa, whoa, whoa Time's trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 I will keep my heart seeking